Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Philippe Cloutier. He's the CEO of Cartier Resources. We talk about their recent increase in the resource uh, and what that could mean for the company. We also talk about their slightly tweaked business plan and their plans on their four projects across the board. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, topics discussed, the company, and indeed Philippe, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also get detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including gold. We've got training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. We do summaries of interviews. In fact, all of our interviews on there to save you some time because we know you're busy people. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, free from judgment, trawling and abuse, you can join that cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Philippe, how are you, sir? Top shape. Top shape. Well, can't ask for more than that. Fantastic. But I, I, I hear you had to crawl to work through a snowstorm. Yeah, this morning is 20 centimeters of snow from last night and a power outage. Uh, but I got to the office and everything. The systems are all on, so everything's fine. Well, back to know. You guys can cope with it. That would shut our country down for about a month. <laughs> Not here. I, w- I wish I was joking. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, how are you otherwise? Well, uh, fine, because uh, everything's just moving along just great with Cartier. We've got action on Chimo, action on Benoit, and you know, action on Fenton and Wilson. So... Um, no, I'm I'm very happy. 2021 is is shaping up to be more than I had expected, actually. Good. Well, just looking at your chart, you seem to be bucking the trend. The most uh, gold charts look the same these days, and we're about to find out why. But before we do, why don't we kick off with the the uh, obligatory one minute summary and overview, and I'll pick it up with questions from there. Yeah. Listen, uh, we have uh, our cards say we're looking for gold deposits in the Abitibi Greenstone Belt, the next generation of mines. Our focus is on properties that uh, have demonstrated gold endowment for gold deposits, mineralization that can be uh, drill tested and delineated to offer um, bulk mining uh, underground scenarios. And we have uh, just delivered a third resource assessment on our Chimo Gold project. We're drilling a 30,000 meter diamond drill program on Benoit we were able to renegotiate 100% of the Fenton deposit with the government. And uh, we might even see some action on Wilson. So things are My looking very good. Things yeah. are looking very good. Um, I made reference to your chart there. I mean, you, you've been sort of slowly creeping upwards where most charts have been heading south. Ex- exploration, development and producers have been heading south. So people have got great expectations from you. Um, and maybe we should just deal with one of the great expectations, uh, which is uh, Chimo. Yeah. Okay. You, you've been very clear about the business model f- uh, in the past. Was perhaps, again, based on the questions that we've been sending, I suspect there's a few new people looking at you. Just remind us, and uh, what is that business model for Chimo specifically? Well, the business model on Chimo is quite simple. It's a past producing gold mine shut down in 1997, not for lack of ore, but because of challenging technical and economics for the project. Um, there's 27 gold zones and the business model is quite simple. We, we drill the depth extension of the known gold zones and we try to build more ounces. We've been very successful at that. Uh, last Tuesday, we delivered a resource estimate, the third resource estimate. 
from 60,000 meters of diamond drilling within 500 meters of the underground infrastructures. There's a shaft that goes down in 920 meters, uh, 7,000 meters of drifts on 19 levels, a power line that goes up to 300 meters of the shaft collar, and access to uh, six gold mills along the highway within a 50 to 70 kilometer trucking distance. Um, listen, the, and the mineralization at Chimo uh, is, is one that has large volumes of constant grade. So we're looking at a um, vault mining situation underground at Chimo. And listen, there's two recent examples that this can be done uh, the best one is Goldex, where they're mining 1.5 grams per ton at 1.5 kilometers underground, where the cutoff grade is 0.9 grams per ton. And recently, I've seen a uh, presentation by Alamos at their Young Davidson mine, where their cutoff grade is 1.7, and they're going to be mining uh, 2.7 underground uh, and hauling 7,000 to 8,000 tons. So comparatives, Goldex and Young Davidson are comparables to the uh, the Chimo uh, mine gold project that we've recently delineated. So I'm, I'm listen. Things are looking good. Things things are looking good. Good, but just let's just be clear about what this model is. You are looking to de-risk it to a certain stage and then flip it. Yes. However, Matt, with the third resource estimate, two engineering studies out. Well, I mean the shaft haulage capacity report out and soon to be out or, or sorting. Um, engineering study, and then two others forthcoming. We're going to wrap the third resource assessment, the engineering studies, into a uh, PA on steroids. What we're going to do is going to map out all the possibilities on China. One where you extract the mineralization and send it to the high uh, capacity mills. Another where you extract the material and uh, do what we call ore sorting on site to pre-concentrate the material and lower and almost half the trucking and uh, of the material that you're gonna to send to lower capacity mills. And then we're even gonna run a scenario where we might even build it ourselves. We want the blueprints for all the scenarios on Chimo, make it more attractive uh, for all of the suitors that might wanna buy this. Okay, so that's changed slightly. You've, you've, you've added a new option, which is to take this board itself, which is always the great language. If you're selling something, you don't you want yeah. to tell people it's not for sale. You don't want to be caught in a situation where uh, they say, well, Phil, we know you're going to build it, so you, you just have to sell it to us. Well, the twist is you don't have to sell it to somebody at a discount. You must know the value of every single scenario that your asset offers. And you're, it's it's basic defense mechanism when you're walking into a negotiated situation. It's a bit hard now. You're kind of backtracking a bit, aren't you? Should have said yeah, that from the beginning. Not. Well, it's listen, when you're a four-man exploration crew and, and you're working on a project like Chimo, from the very beginning, you say, look, our business model is to add value in delineate ounces. Uh, there are local producers here. You don't start by saying, I'm going to mine something that I have not even delineated yet. And keep in mind that these uh, ounces that we tabled in, in uh, last Tuesday, well, the project can still grow. We simply elected that, you know, that we've done enough heavy lifting on this thing. And, and we can come back and drill it. Right now, it's probably not the best time to do so because there's a lot of activity in, in the Abitibi. 
Jewels are and drillers are hard come by. Assay labs are jammed, and right up and right up to the QPs doing resource estimates and PAs, they're full load. So, trying to find manpower to add another two machines to our company's roster, that's very difficult. Right. So there's there's no, it's no, no longer a case of um, uh, how do we find ways to de-risk this to a point. It's like we've got to keep all options on the table. If you keep all options on the table, you've also got, you're signaling that you may need to find money to move that forward. That changes the dynamic somewhat. If Chimo is not, if somebody doesn't come up with a, uh, a rate offer for Chimo, well, there's always that option. And then that in that point, yeah, it would be a massive dilution to, to go and build it ourselves. Um, but listen, our job right now is to determine the full value of this thing, put a price tag on it, Put a price tag on various um, scenarios, and then while we're doing that, we're also drilling Benoit and trying to develop the same approach, uh, generate more ounces on our second, what we think is going to be our second flagship, and then also set ourselves up to be working uh, on the Fenton deposit, which we just acquired 100%. So it's a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very dynamic year for. Oh, it, it, it totally is. But what, I, what I'm trying to be clear on is precisely what's the I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's very important because you've changed a couple of variables here, which is if you've got Chimo, which is a monetary event, i.e. there could be an exit, which could bring a lot of capital in, which could then fund your other three projects. And, and then you say to me, well, those three projects are the real ups, the real blue sky here for us because we're now funded. It's non-dilutory capital being introduced to the company. That's nothing short of great news for investors. That's one model. Or yeah. you're saying it's cookie cutter. Whatever we do on, on Chimo is what we're going to do with the other three. I mean, how, how do we well, call we it? Have that option. We have that optionality. Traditionally, sure. a junior company has one deposit and that's it. It's a one trick pony show. Uh, we were fortunate that we were able to acquire four gold deposits in the last bear market at a very low cost. And when we got drilling, Chimo broke away. Chimo had obvious advantages of having infrastructure, proximity to qualified workforce. So we, we, we focused on that. Uh, we, know, we knew full well that would come, would come a time where we'd have to you know, develop our engineering the same approach to drilling on the three other deposits. So our fallback position is, well, while we get Chimo to cross the finish line, we're setting ourselves up with the other deposits to repeat the process. Uh, right now, the th Benoit, Wilson, and Fenton have are actually contributing no value to our enterprise value. Uh, it, well, maybe Benoit, because we filed a, a resource estimate late December last. Right. So let's talk about the resource on, on Chimo then. You know, it's not quite there in terms of the number. You're 684,000 ounces. Is that enough to get someone like an Agnico, who's a large shareholder in your company, or others to be of interest? Or do you need to get past the magic 1 million ounce number? And, you know, what's the process for bringing some of these inferred ounces back in, in, into the uh, indicated? Okay, good point. We have over just under 700,000 ounces indicated and 1.3 million ounces inferred. I would argue that the inferred ounces in, in a situation like Chimo can be easily bumped up to indicated because keep in mind the drill program at Chimo from the very beginning was not designed 
you know, the, the whole spacing was not designed to measure ounces. It was essentially designed to say, look, this thing was shut down when the price of gold was $500 Canadian. Now the price of gold is, you know, $2,200 Canadian. The veins and the mineralization clearly continues beneath and along strike the 27 known gold zones. So we basically mapped out, if you wish, to add the indicated and the inferred ounces over 2 million ounces of gold that can still continue growing, especially on the North Gold Corridor and the South Gold Corridor where the drilling basically stopped at a hot 500 meter vertical depth level. And then on the Central uh, Gold Corridor, well, it was drilled down to 1500 meters and can grow beneath that as well, as well as on a third lens, which is we've seen developed between the, um, the Eastern one and the Central plot. Right. So, a project that can still grow almost, you know, more than 2 million ounces. Uh, yeah, I do believe it is of interest to the gold producers along the island. Right. So how do you fund that? Because to bring the the, the uh, inferred into indicator, you're going to need to do some drilling. It's going to cost you some money. Is that yeah. the best use of your money given the actual strategy, which you guys are probably employing in your heads, in discussion at board level, rather than the, you know, the pure optionality play of, well, everything's on the table. You must know which line you're going down. So what are you going to, are we doing infill drilling or are we going to go a little bit north and a little bit south and sort of see what the extent of this thing is? Well, listen, the, um, the easiest thing to do was to be, bring two more machines back on the ground, do some infill drilling, take all of the infill flip it into the indicated and then some of the indicated to measure that would cost time and money and then further delay the valuation, the ultimate valuation of Chimo. We simply think that we've done enough heavy lifting on Chimo and it is quite the time to do the same process on Benoit, but also do it on Fenton and Wilson as well. So that by the end of the year, people are going to see, uh, numbers or hopefully numbers from all four projects as well as a, you know, a, a, a price tag for China. Right. And again, is it that leads me to think a certain way, because if you're saying, hey, look at all four of our assets, we've got lots of uh, inferred numbers here, maybe, mm -hmm. right, depending on what you're going to do. Please view us, view this company as four projects together rather than distinct projects with this cookie cutter flip flipping approach, which we've talked about in the past. So, you know, if you were to flip Chimo, get some cash in, that's a model. And we're going to repeat the same thing across all three assets. You know, those are two companies with different models. So again, I'm just intrigued what the plan is. Well, again, yeah. So you, you, the, the, the first plan, the ultimate plan, the, the one that I would prefer the most, since I'm a single large shareholder, I own over 5 million shares by, myself. Um, I would like to see the company taken over, Chimo carved out, and Cartse 2.0 exist via uh, Benoit, Fenton, and Wilson, and we repeat the process. Um, ultimately, we view ourselves as the ones that bring the new generation of wines here in the Abitibi. We're, you know, we're very focused on exploration but exploration of known gold mineralization we don't do the grassroots geo poetry or prospecting with the drill type stuff um it has its pros and then it has its cons uh, you know uh it's expensive but then it's 
takes a, a lot of the risk out of the equation. I think I miss I misheard a word you said there, but I think I, I think I like the, the version I heard, which was geo poetry. <laughs> that sounds, I, I wasn't, sounds like a really cool thing. <laughs> no, it's it's it, it's not a cool thing because um, you know raising money in the in markets is is always very difficult. You want to make sure that you're investing uh, the money that you raise on. And, and lowering the risk as much as possible. You want to provide the highest reward with the lowest amount of risk taking. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of business models in exploration and I'm not knocking grassroots exploration or, or geopoetic approaches where you're, you're, you're drilling concepts and, 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 and geochemical or geophysical anomalies. But I like to stay, you know, close to what's demonstrated and proven endowment and then and grow from that. But basically, that's most exploration geologists that work in mines do exactly that. They're they're mining in a known zone, and that they're given a budget to try to extend that zone, and they replenish their reserves and their resources as they go along. Um, and that's what we've done. We've picked up deposits in the last bear market that were sitting on a shelf for all sorts of reasons. We got really lucky because we picked up a fast producing mine. But that's our signature. That's what we do. Okay. So just um, finish on, finish on uh, Chime. So that PEA on steroids is due when? I would like to give you a date. We got, uh, we got, good point. Listen, we had discussed that we would be delivering a resource estimate for Chimo in Q4 2020. Then we were, we discovered that um, the CIM, Canadian Institute of Mines, had recommended new guidelines in late 2019. They were implemented in 2020, and we went through that process. What is that process? Well, the process is now when you do a resource estimate, the practitioners, geologists and engineers have to demonstrate the reasonable prospect of economic extraction. So that's the process that our recent um, mineral ex, uh, resource estimate went through. So the, you know, inferred indicated 2 million ounces that we, we tabled have that reasonable prospect for economic extraction. They took a PEA level filter and brought it down into the resource estimate, which favors or, or benefits Cartier. And obviously that benefit stems from the fact that Chimo is a past producing mine. You know, a wealth of historical drilling data, metallurgy reports, production reports that basically uh, put the resource people and engineers at ease for producing those numbers. Um, I think the fact that the, the, the experts or third-party experts are in high demand during 2021, I think the fact that um, the PA that we're doing is going to uh, encompass various scenarios, I think it's going to take longer than I can foresee and expect, so I can't give you a date. I'm hoping it would be by the end of the year, but uh, I'm not going to fall down. I'm not going to go down that road again by giving you a specific date. Okay. Let's move on to some of the other projects. Um, I want to do uh, Fenton. That's been seeded back to you. It's a nice, I guess, quick one to deal with. Uh, how long did that process take? Was that costly? It wasn't costly. We we're actually paying the government $300,000, uh, another $400,000 of Cartier um, shares. And we're 
trading them one of our uh, VMS assets in Grenville. Uh, so it's a transaction that where they give us back 50% of the deposit, the known deposit right now, plus an additional five claims that hosts a really interesting mineralization. And it allows us now to say, okay, since we now have 100% of this, we could sit down and engineer and design a program that, you know, that resembles a lot what we're doing on Benoit and what we've done on Chimo. So now we have all the options on the table for Fenton as we've had for Chimo and Benoit. Right. And, and there's a kind of question with about um, Benoit and uh, Fenton. It's like, how do you allocate the surplus cash to it? I mean, what are we looking at this year in 2021 spent against each? Uh, we're exploring Benoit with two drill rigs, 30,000 meters. That's going to be about $7 million of drilling the depth extension deposit, new anomalies, and the crown pillar of the currently known resource. And that should run till October, November. We're not currently contemplating uh, drilling on Fenton. The first thing we'll do there is to recompile all the data and potentially come up with a maiden resource estimate on the thing before doing anything. Uh, and in light of what we've just been through at Chimo, we're going to tweak the design of the programs that we're doing um, so as to you know, optimize uh, the resource estimates that we produce. Right, okay. So, so end of the end of this year, mate, what, what will you have done in, on each of those to kind of drive that value? Because yeah, look, if I, if I look at you since we first started talking, this is steady state controlled, uh, you know, yes. plan. It's nothing spectacular. It's just keeps right. growing, keeps growing. Yeah. You don't want to do anything sensational, and you don't make any sensational decorations. So, what is that steady state growth story for the for the Fenton component and Benoit this year look like? The steady state, well, our approach, our signature approach is to get the program completed on Benoit, see or determine if this thing can grow and reach the 2 million ounce mark from a scoped program, uh, then design the same type of program on Fenton and uh, look at the metrics there and then hopefully try to do the same thing on, on Wilson, either via our own work or by bringing in a partner. Hopefully, I'd like to have, by 2021, uh, a table where I have resources on all four of the projects. And, you know, have, I've grown the drilling and just kept on de-risking the Cartier uh, story. Right, okay. This works for me. Works for me. Um, will there be, have you got enough on your plate? Are you looking at other things? Or are you waiting for this spin out and Cartier 2 to come along? We're always looking at other things because the Chimo work that's currently underway is largely out of our hands, has to be done by independent qualified people. The Benoit drilling, well, you know, our VP and our senior geologists have got that under control. Uh, the Fenton is largely going to be a compilation. So then, you know, not, a, not an intense field program. Um, and so that frees me up for some continued corporate development. We may be adding more deposits. We may be growing the footprint of some assets uh, with $11 million in the bank. Uh, Matt, you know, I've, I've got a lot of wiggle room here. 
You do indeed. You do indeed. Well, look, I've enjoyed the story over the last 12 months. Stay in touch. Let us know how things are, are progressing, especially on uh, Benoit. I'm intrigued so how you move, move that along. And I'm also intrigued as whether the market will view it as a kind of cookie-cutter approach to what you've been doing at Chimo, okay? Because that, that yeah. would be good news if, if they did view it that way. But I suspect, based on the questions I'm seeing sent through, they want to know what you're doing with Chimo and uh, when they can expect to see an announcement. Yeah, well, that's... I can't control the price of gold. I can't control what's going on in, in potential purchasers' minds. Their metrics for evaluating a project. Our, what we can control is what we deliver, and how we deliver, and and the and and and, and the data we give them, and uh, in order for them to make the best possible decision, that's going to end up being a win-win transaction. Obviously, the ultimate goal is definitely to reward shareholders, and I've set myself up. To do just that, you know, in the last year and a half, I've purchased over one hundred seventy thousand dollars of our own stock. So I put my money where my mouth is, and uh, I hope if I walk to the bank, so will our shareholders. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And one of the questions sent in was about you know bidding wars and how do you kind of keep, well, I think paraphrase it, but how do you kind of keep the competitive tension because there's an expectation that Agnico, it's large largest shareholder, would want to just walk in here. But you told me right at the, the outset that you want to keep that competitive tension and by keeping options on the table. So, yeah. um, but I wanted to say that because people, I don't want people to get There's, you didn't ask my question. I think you, no, you have no, answered no, that no, early no. on. Locally, there is sufficient demand tension and competitive tension. There's Yamana, Eco, IM Gold, Hecla, West Dome, El Dorado, the two most recent MAs in, in the last three or four months. Yamana took over Monarch and uh, El Dorado took over QMX. Both projects are along with Cadillac Fall, you know, uh, within 100 kilometers. So that is indicative that, you know, the Abitibi and the Cadillac Fault continues to be the right address. And I may add that we're, we're under the few that has tabled, you know, respectable resources. So, you know, I, th I think we're out there, our names on the list. And um, we're going to continue doing what we do well and hope that, uh, you know, the shareholders out there um, realize that we're significantly undervalued with respect to our in situ situation. And that's that's basically the investment proposition. That's that's the value proposition. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.